We're Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. There it is. Okay, we all know who that is, don't we? It's the, it's the Energizer Bunny. It's the bunny that's powered by the battery that declares that uh, it keeps on going and going and going, as the advertisement says. In fact, this Energizer Bunny was, believe it or not, actually introduced to the world 30 years ago. Uh, it's around about this time, 30 years ago, that the Energizer Bunny was introduced to the world. And I think the reason why it lasts so long, it's lasted so long is because what Energizer promises is so regrettably relatable to how we live. We live by just keeping on going and going and going. And by that, I'm not meaning the need for bathroom breaks on a road trip or the, the reality of um, uh, the need for the bathroom as you get older in the night, and I'm at that stage now. But what I'm meaning is the way that we live, the way that we, the way that we live is it's just we keep on going and we keep on going and we keep on going, and we do so without any uh, pauses to actually stop and recharge. Uh, one thing we're going to learn today is the fact that every single one of us are needy. And that reality, for some reason, is something that we either are trying to conquer or we're trying to conceal. And I think the reason why we try to conquer or conceal our needs, the the reason why we try to hide our needs or overcome our needs is because we actually view our needs as, or having needs as weakness, or or at, at worst, at times we think it's an absence of God's presence in our lives. And so one of the ways that we go about uh, trying to meet these needs is taking on that responsibility ourselves, and all we end up doing is is elevating self-sufficiency to the place where we consider it to be our crowning crowning achievement, instead of actually what I'm hoping to encourage us to do today is to press into the God of infinite provision. For some reason, we seem to place more confidence in our insufficiency than God's all-sufficiency. And today we're starting a, a new uh, a series, as James mentioned, a three-part series where we're going to be speaking uh, uh, um, around the issue of generosity. The series is entitled, Our Source, God's Design for Generosity. And one of the things I learned from last week's sermon on race is the fact that certain words that are spoken can release incredible emotions, either good or bad, in different people, because we associate Uh, experiences with those emotions. Some of you listening this morning hear the word generosity mentioned from a pulpit, mentioned from the front of a church, the fact that we're going to be teaching on generosity today and for the next three weeks. You might be thinking at some point that we are going to be asking for your money. And I want to put you at ease right now before we go any further to say that's not the case. I'm not going to be standing here asking for money. But I want to say this, It is our intention, as we preach the Word of God, to explore and and, and dive into the fullness of the life of God, its its length and its breadth and its weight. We have a term for that. We have a phrase for that. We have a vision statement which describes that very desire, all of Jesus for everyone. Our desire is that we experience the fullness of Jesus, but at the same time as jumping into the fullness of God's life, we want the fullness of God's life to be impressed upon us. We want the fullness of God's life to, be, to, to do a deep work in each of us and in all of our lives. And we also have a value for that. It's the value that we value most of all Mission statement, vision statement, all of Jesus for everyone, our most valuable value is all of us for Jesus. If we want to attain all of us, if we want to, sorry, attain all of Jesus for everyone, and if we want all of us to respond to the fullness of Jesus, it's going to require at times us teaching about subjects which we might consider, or some of us might consider off limits, but subjects or topics which Jesus and the Bible have a lot to say about. Topics like generosity. And so that's our intention over the next few weeks. In fact, I want to say this. There's probably Uh, no better time in the life of Anthem Church, probably a perfect time in the life of Anthem Church to be speaking about the subject of generosity. You and I, if you've been around for any length of time in this church, we've just witnessed God moving powerfully and miraculously and, and showing himself to be a God of extreme and infinite abundance as he has poured out his blessing upon us. Most of you know that we've just finished a 
a, a building campaign, as it were, and, tr- and we trusted to raise $450,000 in a little over seven or eight weeks, and by God's grace, we were able to achieve that. So I don't come standing here saying we need more, we need more. I'm come standing here saying we can celebrate the abundance of God, we can teach on the subject of God's generosity without the fear of saying he's going to be asking for more of my money. So over the next, next uh, three weeks, I want to encourage us, let's, let's celebrate, let's learn together, let's dig into and dive into God's word as we learn about God's design for generosity. We're going to be learning three basic things. Next week, I want to teach particularly on the biblical pattern of grace. And essentially what I'm going to be doing is, is showing us that as we give, as we, as we steward our time, our resources, our relationships, our finances, as we steward those in accordance with God's pattern, God's grace is poured out. The week after that, Matt is going to speak about the kingdom partnership that is expressed through generosity. God's desire is to bless us, but for the purpose of that blessing to overflow from our lives to the lives of others. The, the, the ultimate question is not how can I be blessed, but the ultimate question to ask ourselves is where and how can I be the greatest blessing to those around me? But none of that is possible until we have a revelation of the infinite God of provision. And that's what I'm going to be speaking on today. Perhaps I could summarize my, 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 the, the series like this. Firstly, we start with a revelation of God. That revelation of God, you'll notice three R's in this, the revelation of God causes a response in me, a response in me to, to, to desire to give, not feeling an obligation to give. Revelation from God, a response in me enables me to reach out to others and be a blessing to them. So with that in mind, let's jump into the text that we're going to be looking at. And I just want to focus on the, the, the single verse from, uh, from Genesis 15, and it's going to be the first verse. Genesis 15, chapter 1. I'm going to tell some of the backstory that, that gets us to this point. But Genesis 15, is the verse 1, is the verse I want to focus on. And it simply says this, after this, and don't worry if you don't know what the after this is referring to, but the after this uh, is something that we're going to unpack in a few moments. After this... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Now, if you're here today and you are not familiar with the backstory or the story of Abram's life as it's told in the book of Genesis, essentially God calls Abram and his family to leave their homeland and to journey and travel to the land that he wanted to give them as part of this incredible promise to bless Abram and his family and for, their, for the blessing that is on them to overflow to those around them. And by faith, the Bible tells us, Abraham hears the word of God and responds in obedience and does exactly what God tells him to do. But along the way, Abraham begins to lose his way. And I'm sure those of us who are followers of Jesus know exactly what that's like. When, when God speaks a word, when God gives us a promise, I'm sure every single one of us here who, 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 who are followers of Jesus know what, it, what it's like to, to lose our way in response to the word of God. Abram loses his way. Abram begins to forget the promise of God. And perhaps more significantly, Abram begins to lose sight of the character of God. He begins to question God's faithfulness, God's ability to do the very thing that he said he would do. And can I just say as an aside, as it pertains to our our particular specific faith journeys, that's the challenge that we all face, isn't it? Not so much the fact that we forget the promise of God, but I think it's, it's dangerous when we begin to lose sight of the character of God when we begin to question whether God actually is faithful and able to do the thing that he said he would do. But throughout Abram's inconsistency, and let's let's apply to each of us, throughout our inconsistency, God remains constantly patient. God remains constantly gracious and begins to bring Abraham through, brings us through the journey that we're on. And along the way, we grow in intimacy with God. You've heard me say this so many times from the front here, and I want to say it again because we cannot lose sight of this. The ultimate reward, the ultimate promise, the ultimate blessing that comes from any faith journey that God has you or I on is not the promise of God fulfilled, although God fulfills his promise. But the great reward, the great blessing of any and every faith journey is that we grow in intimacy with Jesus. 
That's what God desires more than anything. And that's what we see in the life of Abram. In, in fact, what we see at the, as, as we read the story more and more is the fact that, that, that our testimony, that, that, that the thing we are most excited about from this journey is not Abraham's faith, but God's faithfulness. And I want to say that's the, that's the second most important thing we can, we can always learn from every faith journey. The ultimate testimony is not how much faith we have, but how faithful God always is through every journey that we go through. And so God's blessing begins to come to Abram, and as God promised, the blessing that God gives Abram begins to bubble up and overflow to those around him, starting particularly, firstly, with his nephew, Lot. And Lot begins to, to, to live in the blessing that, that is upon Abraham. What Lot, though, makes the biggest mistake, and, and that is that he forgets, he doesn't, begin to, he doesn't realize that the reason he's living in such abundance and blessing is because he's part of a faith family. And yet Lot chooses, Lot desires, Lot is enamored by this, this idea of independence, this idea of autonomy, this, this, he becomes enamored with his self-sufficiency. And he decides then to part ways with Abram, and he moves across to the city of Sodom. Shortly after that, Sodom is overthrown. The city of Sodom is overthrown by an evil king, and Lot is caught up in all of this. And Abram hears of the struggle that his nephew is under. And, and, so, uh, and so Abram gathers some of his men, and he decides to go off, and he, and he, and he decides to, to rescue or deliver his nephew from this oppressive king. Now, again, I think it's important just to take a little aside and, and to remind us that as you read the Bible from... Uh, most of the time, you'll begin to notice this narrative of, of deliverance and rescue. God is a God who is eager to, God is a God who is desperate to deliver and rescue his people. Often, the people of God, including ourselves, let's not, let's not look at the, at the characters in the Bible and judge them. Let's realize that we're in this too. The people of God, including ourselves, sometimes drift away from the purpose of God, and we get caught up with our own self-sufficiency. And as we do so, we often come under um, uh, um, oppressive rulership that is illegitimate and not of God. But God is so gracious. God, in this case, sends Abraham. In the book of Exodus, God sends Moses. Ultimately, God sends Jesus to come in and, and invade our lives and to rescue us out of the kingdom of darkness and to place us into the kingdom of light, as it says in the book of Colossians. So weary from this battle... Abram, uh, um, although, he's, he, although he is victorious, weary from the battle, he, he encounters in, in, in Genesis 14 two kings. There are two uh, 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 rulers that he encounters. And the first one is this rather mysterious, shadowy figure uh, called Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek, we are told, he is the king of Salem. Interestingly enough, and we'll, you'll see the importance of this, Salem actually means peace and righteousness. He encounters this king, this, this king of Salem, this king of peace and righteousness, Melchizedek. And what Melchizedek does is because Abram is weary from the battle, he ministers to Abraham by feeding him bread and wine. And then in the, in the, in the end of Genesis 14, he does this very significant thing. He begins to pray over Abram that Abraham would have a revelation of and be blessed by the God, uh, God most high the highest God, the supreme God, the creator, and therefore the possessor of all things in heaven and on earth. Now, for those of you who, again, who, who, who are familiar with your Bible, you can fast forward to Hebrews chapter 7, if you want to, maybe this, this afternoon or this week. And Hebrews 7 tells us about Melchizedek, that Melchizedek is a foreshadow of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate king of peace and righteousness. Jesus Christ is the ultimate one who, who comes alongside each of us when we are weary from the battle, and he ministers to us by, by giving us himself the bread of life, and he allows us to drink from the, the, the wine, the anointing of God's presence. And what is most wonderful is that Jesus opens our eyes to the reality, to, greater, to, to, to a greater understanding of who God is. Melchizedek is pointing to Jesus. You see, what, what is so important to understand is until this point, until Genesis 14, Abram only knew God as Lord. 
You can read Genesis 12, 13, 14, and the only reference Abram makes to God is as Lord. But here his eyes are opened. He has, a, he has a, a, an incredible revelation of, of God as God most high, supreme God, the, the, the ruler, the creator, the possessor of all things. And so what Abram does in response to this revelation, he begins to worship God. He actually takes the wealth that is his, and he lays it down at Melchizedek's feet, who, who is representing this God most high. He's saying, God, I, I never knew you in this way, but now I know you as possessor of all things and therefore possessor of all things that I have. I take everything that is mine, that is already yours, and in worship, I lay it down at your feet. I want to say, friends, before we forget to, if you haven't seen the point, the point is this, that we never give in response to obligation we always give in response to revelation, the revelation of who God is. But what happens in your life when you receive a revelation and you respond by faith? Think of times when, when in the past perhaps God has shown you something of his nature or character and you've responded by faith. What always happens? It gets tested. It always gets tested. The revelation and, uh, that comes and the response by faith always gets tested. And that's what happens here. Abram encounters this second king, this king of Sodom. And essentially what the king of Sodom does to Abram is he comes to him and he says, listen, I know that you've captured wealth and I know that you've captured some of my people, but, but let's make a deal. You can keep all the wealth that actually is mine, just give me back my people. In other words, what he's saying to Abram is, Abram, I'm happy for you to be blessed and for you to be wealthy on account of me. Now, we don't have time to dig into this, but if you read the Word of God, Ezekiel chapter 16 is one example that describes the, 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 the heart, the, the, the attitude of Sodom, the city of Sodom, the king of Sodom. It's, it's, it's the epitome. It's the personification of, of self-sufficiency. It's the personification of self-indulgence and, 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 and self-reliance. And, and Abraham has, has received this revelation of God being the God of all sufficiency, and that revelation results in Abraham responding by faith, but that revelation gets tested, and he's tempted to trust in his own self-sufficiency. But amazingly, wonderfully, Abraham responds by faith and stands firm. And he tells this king, and I want to suggest, friends, sometimes we need to tell ourselves some of the things that Abraham tells the king of Sodom. And in Genesis 14, verse 22, he says, with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Do you notice that he's now referring to God as God, Lord most high? I'm seeing God in a new way. I'm realizing that God is my all-sufficiency. And I've raised a hand to this God of all sufficiency. And he goes on to say, and I will therefore not accept, I will not accept anything belonging to you. I will trust in the God of all sufficiency and I refuse to trust in my own self-sufficiency. And friends, if you don't face that challenge today, and if you haven't faced that challenge in the past, I'm gonna guarantee you're gonna face that challenge at some point. When we start to realize and, and, and respond to the revelation of God's all-sufficiency, you are going to be tempted to eventually trust or, or turn your trust to self-sufficiency. And that's when we need to stand firm. You see, Abraham worshipped God. Abraham was, was generous to God. Abraham withstood the temptation because uh, uh, he responded to God by revelation that he had received, revelation he'd received of himself, that his insufficiency wasn't sufficient, but the revelation that he received of God, that God's all-sufficiency will always be sufficient. And that's what caused Abraham to respond by faith. And God then declares over Abraham in Genesis 15 verse 1, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What are you facing? What are you facing right now when, when, when the temptation is to trust in your self-sufficiency? When the temptation is to trust in, in the things that you have in your hands? And, and I feel God would, would say over us, over you, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. Who is your great reward? 
Is it your finite resources? Is it your insufficiency? Do you trust them? Do you trust yourself to meet those needs? Or do we look to the God of all sufficiency and the God of infinite provision? You see, what the Energizer Bunny professes to be and what, what, what we aspire to be, God is. God, God is the self-contained source of perpetual and perfect sustenance, creating and sustaining all things. Yet he himself is created and sustained by none. God wants for and lacks nothing. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25 tell us that. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Do you see the, the pointing back to Genesis 15? That he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is, the, he is the creator, therefore the possessor of all things. And does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Jen Wilkin, in her, in her incredible book, None Like Him, says this. He, she, she says, there is not a human-shaped hole in his transcendent heart that we, the crowning act of his creation, were intended to fulfill. No need for love or companionship prompted God the no need for love or companionship prompted the Godhead to speak us into being. He created us gladly, and He loves us infinitely, but He does not need us. And as jarring as that sounds, I want to say, friends, that is wonderfully liberating. Because if God needed me, let me tell you, at some point, I know myself all too well. I'm going to let Him down. And then what is God going to do? If God needs me, needs me to be constantly faithful and constantly joyful and constantly full of, of, of power and grace. God's not unsettled by my inconsistencies. He's pleased to be glorified either through me or in spite of me, but he does not need me. His plans, for, his plans, his plans do not rely on my faithfulness. His joy does not rest on my good behavior. He does not need me, and yet he loves me deeply and eternally with the same love that he loves his beloved son, Jesus. God has no need of us, but we have infinite need of him. I said in, in my introduction that we are needy, and I want to say we are remarkably needy. We are remarkably needy, but for, for some reason we, we try to hide these needs or we try to overcome these needs because we associate need with weakness, and I think often we associate need with the, with the assumption, the wrong assumption, that God has somehow lifted his hand off of our lives. And I want to say, friends, from the very beginning of creation, before the fall happened, God created Adam and Eve to be a man and a woman who were in need. They needed God for their physical sustenance. They needed God for, for breath and for food and, and, and for water. They were created with emotional needs, the, the need for relationship with each other. They were created with spiritual needs, the need to be intimate with God. They were created to need so that they in turn might turn to worship the source of all that is needed. But instead they chose autonomy. Instead, they chose independence. Instead, of, instead, they chose the exalting of self-sufficiency over God's all-sufficiency. I remember five, six years ago, so distinctly, we were driving along West Diversity. I don't know why these kind of small details stick in my mind. Uh, uh, the whole family, all five of us in the car, uh, Bex at that time was either a junior or a senior at high school, um, um, and we were driving along. She was approaching, kind of getting near to the age of 18, and so the conversation of what does adulthood, when does adulthood officially start, that was the question she asked. Mom and Dad, when am I officially an adult? Uh, uh, if you don't understand what that means as a parent, it's basically saying, when am I independent? When am I officially independent? When can I stand on my own two feet? And, and Debs, as for those who know her, my, my wife, tended, uh, she gave a very, very uh, thoughtful answer of a, of a phased independence based on maturity, you know, trying to keep uh, children close by. And, and Hannah and Bex very quickly were on their phones Googling the legal definition of adulthood. <laughs> which was 18, because they knew that 18 meant independence, and independence me meant Lollapalooza tickets or whatever, whatever, 
whatever 18 meant. And, and Caden, bless his heart, Caden was supporting his mom at that time. But I know as a 13-year-old, his argument would be completely different today. He'd be siding with his sisters. The point, I'm, the point I'm making is you guys know it to be true. Our culture elevates independence. Our culture views independence as the sign of maturity. Our culture elevates self-sufficiency as our crowning achievement. And I want to say, I don't think it is. Because when we elevate independence and we elevate self-sufficiency as our crowning achievement, we take it upon ourselves to meet our current and future needs rather than pressing into the God of infinite provision. Jen Wilkin, again, in her book says, we are not needy because of sin, although she does say we, we can need in sinful ways, especially when we confuse our needs with our wants. We are not needy because of sin. We are needy by divine design. Sanctification, growing up in Christ, is the process of learning increased dependence on God, not increased autonomy from God. So how do we know when we are beginning to drift from this need for God? How do we know when we're beginning to place our, our, our elevate self-sufficiency over God's all-sufficiency? I'm sure there are a number of things. I want to just give you three quick ones. Firstly, perhaps prayerlessness begins to manifest in our lives. When I start to believe that I am provider, that I am responsible for meeting my needs, I tend to, I, I tend to cease petitioning my ultimate provider. Perhaps forgetfulness is a manifestation of the reality that I'm trusting in myself more than God. When I forget God's undeniable provision, I start to trust myself for today and tomorrow's needs. Something that we learn from the world around us. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on, you can do this. You know, be, a, be an adult, stand alone. That's the mantra that we hear from the, the world around us. Perhaps it manifests in anger in the midst of trial. When challenges reveal my limits, when, when, uh, when challenges reveal my needs, I become angry for fear of being exposed or even condemned as weak. What does Jesus have to say about meeting our needs? What does Jesus have to say about, about those needs that we, we so often try to either conquer or conceal? We don't have time to look at the entire text, but, but go and read Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. And I'm going to give you a summarized sentence that summarizes all of those verses. This is what Jesus says about meeting our needs. Do not worry about what you need tomorrow. Instead, seek the kingdom of God today. That's what Jesus says about meeting our needs. Do not worry about meeting your needs tomorrow, except instead focus on, seek first the kingdom of God today. Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. Essentially, he's asking the, the question, and it's not a rhetorical question, what good has worry or anxiety done for anyone sitting here today? And, and I say that not as an accusation. I say that as much as a, as a challenge to, to me as I, as I challenge you. Don't worry, Jesus says. I've taught this before, but, but, but worry or anxiety is the fruit of reaching into tomorrow and dragging from tomorrow something that I, that I cannot control into the here and now. That's what worry is. We, we reach into, to, into tomorrow and we drag from tomorrow something which we cannot control and we place it before us here and now. Worry makes tomorrow's issues today's challenges. And that's not God, what God would want of us. He wants us to trust in his all-sufficiency, not in our insufficiency. I love the story of, of Abraham and Isaac moving up or, or walking up the, 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 the mountain in Genesis 22 to go and sacrifice. And, and again, those of you who are familiar with, 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 with the Bible, you'll know the story well. God, God calls Abraham to take his son Isaac and to, and to go up to the mountain and to sacrifice him. And Abram gives his son the wood to carry. And I just picture the two of them walking up, walking up the mountain. And Isaac understands that an offering is about to happen, and he turns to his dad, and he says, Dad, where is the lamb? Where is, where is the lamb? I mean, I see the wood, and I know that, you, that we're about to offer something, but where is the lamb? And Abraham says this, my son, God will provide. God will provide. Abraham didn't realize it, but unbeknown to Abraham, there was a, there was a ram caught in the thicket just behind the place where Abraham was about to offer the sacrifice. You see, God saw before. God knew before, and God met that need before the need actually manifested. 
a fascinating bit of language information, but the word provide, I believe it's from the Latin. I think it's from the Latin to mean see before. The word provide in the English is from the, I think it's from the Latin, but it does mean to see before. And that's who God is, the God who provides my God, my provider is my God who sees before. My God who, who knows my tomorrow and knows that when I, step into, when I step into tomorrow, he is going to be there with the provision that I need for then. That's why we don't need to worry. Because God is self-sufficient and our God of infinite provision, we don't need to be the energizer bunny who keeps on going and going and going. And so I want to land this in the next couple minutes and just ask the question, what does it look like to bring our need before the God who has no need? What does it look like to, to worship the one who is the source of all that is needed? And I'm going to give you five very quick little things for you to jot down as, as to what we do with the needs that you and I have. What do we do? How do we respond to the God of all sufficiency rather than trusting our own self-sufficiency? Firstly, be quick to praise God that he is unlike us. Be quick to worship God. Be quick to praise God. Be quick to glorify God that he is nothing like us. Secondly, be quick to confess our tendency to trust in our insufficiency rather than in his all-sufficiency. Be quick to confess. Be quick to acknowledge. Be quick to, 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 to acknowledge to God, God, I, I, I too quickly trust in my own insufficiency rather than putting my faith in your all-sufficiency. Be quick to praise God. Be quick to confess our tendency. Secondly, be quick to acknowledge our needs and to ask him to meet them. Be quick to acknowledge your needs. Be quick to acknowledge your, your, your shortfalls. Be quick to acknowledge the gap of, of, of where you are and what you need. Be quick to acknowledge those and to ask God to fulfill them. When we ask God to fulfill them, there are, it blows my mind how God surprises us by fulfilling the things that we ask him to fulfill in ways we never thought possible. Praise God, confess, acknowledge, fourthly, be quick to focus on what God is doing today rather than worrying about tomorrow. Be quick to focus on what God is doing today rather than worrying about tomorrow. You see, the exhortation from Matthew 6 is seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And Jesus goes on, and all these needs that you run after is essentially what he says. All these things that you run after, they will be added to you as well. Don't run after your needs. Run after Jesus. Run after God. Be quick to praise. Be quick to confess. Be quick to acknowledge. Be quick to focus. And lastly, I would say, be quick to help meet the needs of others before they ask. Be quick to help meet the needs of others before they ask. Because let me tell you, perhaps by meeting their physical needs, it might open up a door of conversation to actually their greatest need, which is the need of Jesus Christ in their hearts as Lord and Savior. Philippians 4.19 says this, I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have. For I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and I'm gonna read that verse over you, over us again. And then I'm gonna ask us, right where you are seated, I'm gonna just run us real quick. This is gonna take two or three minutes. But, but I, before we, 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 we celebrate and, and pray over the Nelsons, I wanna just make sure that we have a an opportunity to respond to what the Spirit of God is saying here this morning. And so I, I'm gonna read this verse, allow, allow, allow the Holy Spirit to just minister this beautiful truth. And then let's just allow God to highlight a couple things perhaps in our hearts. So here's Philippians 4 again. I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy, fully satisfy every need you have. For I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. Just marinate on that for a moment. Just marinate on that for a moment. Just right where you are seated, can you just take a few seconds to praise God for the fact that he is so unlike us? Just take a moment to thank, to thank God, to praise him that he is the God of all sufficiency in the context of your need. 
in the context of your challenge, in the context of your lack. Maybe some here need to confess that you've tried to fulfill your need by looking to your insufficiency rather than God's all-sufficiency. If that's you, just, just, take, just take a moment. Lord, forgive me. I, I don't want to do that. Forgive me for trusting myself. Help me to trust you. If that's you, just, just gently and quietly where you are, just begin to do that. Thirdly, I want to encourage you, right where you're seated, just to acknowledge the needs that you have before your Father in heaven. Can you bring those needs before God right now? Just, Lord, this is what I need, healing. Lord, I'm trusting for healing. Lord, I'm, I'm trusting for financial breakthrough. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm lonely. I need a friend. Lord, I'm trusting for friendship. I'm hurting. What, whatever it is, just, just bring that need before the Father. The future's overwhelming, Lord. I don't know what tomorrow holds. Come, Holy Spirit. Just bring that need before your Father. Acknowledge that need and ask Him to, just to help you to meet, meet it. Can I ask you to pray this? Lord, help me to focus on what you are doing today. Can you pray that? Lord, help me to see where you are at work. Help me to see what you are doing. Help me to, to, to find, to figure out where you are at work so that I can get behind that, so that I can get part, become part of that. And then lastly, just again, in this place of, of God just ministering to, to some of you, perhaps to all of you, just begin to ask God. Could you ask God, God, is, is there a need that someone else has that I could meet? Do I know of someone else who's in need? Do I know that someone else needs, is in need of a hug? Maybe you're the one that God wants to go and give that. Maybe, maybe there's a financial need. Maybe the, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a prayer need. Maybe the prayer is not, Lord, what do you want me to do? But Lord, would you show me what you want me to do? Make yourself available. Don't pray like, Isaiah, don't, don't pray like we sometimes pray, Lord, here I am, send my friend. But, but let's pray, Lord, here I am, send me, use me. Here I am, Lord, use me. Father, thank you that you are the God of infinite provision. Thank you, Lord, that you have made yourself known to us through your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you say that, 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 that as, we, as we see you, as we, as we, as we know you, we, we know the Father. And, and I thank you, Lord, that, that for some, and, and I know for myself too, Lord God, it's, it's the case. There are times when we, we do, Lord God, tend to look at what is in our hands and, and to say, well, well, what can I do with this? What can I do? How can I, how can I solve the need with what I have in my hands? And, and Lord, I, I thank you that, that, Lord, it's not up to us to solve the need. I thank you, Lord God, that it is up to us to surrender what is in our hand and to surrender our need before you and to stand back and watch you do supernatural and amazing things. Father, I pray, Lord, for where there is the need of healing. I, I trust even now. Just release, Lord, your healing in Jesus' name. Can, can you just pray with me, just quietly where you're seated, just to trust for a release of healing, uh, uh, ailments, uh, sicknesses, disease, uh, doctor's diagnoses. We, we speak life. We speak, we speak healing. Where, where, where doctors have said one thing, Lord, we want to trust in your word. We want to trust in your, in your truth. We want to trust, Jesus, that you bore on the cross, on, on, on your back, the stripes that purchased for us not just salvation, but healing and deliverance and freedom and wholeness. And so, Lord, we want to trust for a release of your supernatural healing in Jesus' name. Healing over, 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 over situations and circumstances. Healing over relationships, Lord. Healing in financial crises, Lord God. Provision, we pray, God, you are the God who provides. We thank you that you are already there tomorrow in our place of need, Lord. When we look and we don't know what tomorrow holds, thank you that you are already there with provision for tomorrow. Help us, Lord, not to worry. Help us, Lord, not to be anxious. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord. Just as we end this morning, I wanna just, do, as you stay in this place of, of prayer, 
and, and worship and fixing your eyes on Jesus. If you are here and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as I alluded to, our greatest need is relationship with God. Our greatest gap in our lives is the gap that separates us from, 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 the, from our creator. And God made that, uh, God fulfilled that need by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross to take upon himself our sin. And he rose from the dead, meaning that sacrifice was accepted. And as we place our trust in Jesus, it says we are reunited with our Father in heaven. Now, that's a lot to comprehend, I know, and perhaps you don't understand everything. And, and, and the wonderful truth is, for as long as we are alive on this planet, we continue to grow in our revelation and understanding of that. But maybe today, something in your heart is saying, I want to know God. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. And I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray with you if that's you. If you're saying, Steve, I want to know God. I want to invite him into my heart. I want to, I, I want to receive the, the, the gift of life that is found in Jesus Christ. If that's you, I would just love to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask you right now just to slip up your hand and just look at me. Slip up your hand and look at me. I would love to lead you in a prayer where you say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Anyone want to respond to that? Thank you, Lord, for the incredible gift of salvation, that you have done all of this, all of this for us. Thank you that although you don't need us, Lord, thank you that you love us so infinitely and so just it blows our mind, Lord God. And we thank you that we can be a people that serve and love and worship and rejoice in your goodness and grace. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't think I was anywhere near 25 minutes, but thanks for... Thanks for hanging in there. We're going to set aside the last, uh, thank you. We're going to set aside the last uh, 10, 15 minutes to celebrate the Nelson. So I'm going to ask Courtney, I hope you're not the only one in the room. I hope there are others. Okay, come on up. There they come. Come on down, guys. Let's welcome them. Can we have the other mic, James? Is that possible? Yeah. You're going to share something? Okay. No, you ready? No. I'll start. start. Okay, I'll start. I've got this microphone. Oh, okay. That's one. <laughs> so, um, all right. Man. <laughs> Today is uh, an incredible, incredible celebration of the goodness of God and a and a wrenching and challenging moment too. Not challenging for any other reason other than the sadness of having you guys close, close to us in, in, in proximity. And um, I've already said to Mark and Courtney that uh, I'm, I'm not great at, at um, moments like this. And I've, we've shared some stuff, but I do have some stuff that I've written down. So forgive me if I, if, I, if I read what I've written down, but I just know the emotion is probably gonna get the better of me. So... Um, there's a couple of things I, I felt that, um, that, that I, I felt it would be appropriate for us to do as your church family. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask you in a few moments to, to help um, respond to, to what I believe would be the only appropriate thing that I think is possible in this situation. I, I can't think of sufficient words. Um, I, I can't think of sufficient ways to say thank you for the incredible example um, that you guys have been to, to our family and to this, this church family. You guys have contended with faith. You guys have settled for nothing less than heaven's best. You guys have set an amazing example of what it means to be Christ followers, both as, 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 as men, as women, as husbands, as wives, as, as parents, as children in this community. You guys have set an incredible example of what it means to be passionate for Jesus. You guys have served faithfully in different capacities. You guys have, have given so, so generously. You guys have, have, um, have been up front and you've been behind the scenes. There are things that people have seen and things that people haven't seen, including Debs and I, things that we haven't seen. But your Father in heaven knows the incredible service and sacrifice and, and life that you guys have laid down to help see this dream and this, this vision come to pass. And I think the only appropriate way for us to respond is, is not with words and is not with with, with gifts, although we do have gifts, 
but for us to stand together if we can and honor this family for everything that they've meant to us. So can we thank them? Sit down, thanks. One of the things that we're going to, one of the things that we're going to do in a few moments is um, after we've had a chance to pray and also hear from the Nelsons, we, we have um, some food and some snacks for us to hang out and, 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 and send the Nelsons on their way. And there's going to be a journal that Debs has. And I know that um, for each family, their love, uh, their love language is, is words of affirmation. And I want you to grab hold of those journals. Debs is going to be wandering around. And I want you to write what God is putting on your heart to communicate something of, of, of what this, these, these families mean to you. So what I wanted to do, if I can, just take a moment, um, is, is I just felt to read over both families um, your favorite psalm, which is Psalm 126, and, um, and, and to, for it to be a declaration of, of, of our thanks and a declaration of our hope and prayers with you as we, as we open our hands and, and thank you and release you into our inheritance. And can I just say, you know, Leanne mentioned something this morning, but, but we, we cannot view um, sending of our best as, you know, as soon as they, they depart from the quote-unquote family that, that is Anthem Church in location, it means that our inheritance is, is separate. Their inheritance remains here and our inheritance is, is being advanced into San Diego. So with that in mind, I just want to read this. It was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and you brought us back to Zion. And I just want to focus on Mike and Mark for a quick second, if I can, and just, just, I, just honor the two of you in particular. I, I don't think there is anyone in this room, including Debs and I, who have carried a heart for Church in the City and Anthem Church for as long as you guys have. And, and I, I just want to say, not only thank you, but I want to say, you stand here today declaring the dream has come true. We are not a finished product. We are not a... Um, we, we still have much to do, but you guys can leave knowing that you've seen your dream come true, and I just want to honor the two of you for, for carrying that dream um, in your hearts. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in saying, the Lord has done miracles for them, and that's what we've done. I mean, these last 15 years is we've laughed and we've, we've, we've cried, we've been overjoyed, but ultimately we've sung praises and thanks to God for all that he has done. Um, and then it says, yes, he did mighty miracles and we are overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. And that's our prayer for you guys. That's our declaration for you guys, is the way that you guys have invested and the way that you guys have sown and the way that you guys have, have contended. We are saying, Lord, do it again. Break open new ground in San Diego. Break open new, a, a, new, a, a new legacy that is before, um, before you. So I want to say you, you can look back on this with confidence and with thanksgiving, and you can look ahead with hope and with faith, knowing that God is going to do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Those who sow their, tear, their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with, with joyful laughter and shouting, shouts with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest of overflowing. And that's, that's our prayer for you. That's your, I know, your prayer for us, that together we would be able to see an incredible harvest for the kingdom. You guys are not going because you have a job opportunity. You guys are going in response to the kingdom call that is on your lives. And we recognize that and we get behind that. And as best as we can, we speak destiny and we blow wind into your sails as you guys step out. So this whole idea of sowing um, is, the, is the gift that we've got for you. Um, there's no way that we can get a monetary gift to thank you for, just as I said. I mean, we don't have enough time in the day to honor you guys, um, but but we felt in this whole idea of sowing is we've gotten you a, a seedling of the one, and it's small, Mark, it'll fit into your car, I promise you, you don't have to. Um, but it's a, it's a seedling of the one tree we found that grows in South Africa and San Diego, and that's a jacaranda tree. 
And so we've gotten you two little jacaranda tree seedlings. And I, and I wanted to, to, to kind of be significant of something of your heritage and your past in South Africa given to you by your family in Chicago as you plant in, in this new territory in, in San Diego. And so let it be a, let it be a celebration of your, of your past as well as a, as a, as a, as a deep roots and, 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 and new beginnings as you step, into, step out in faith into, into San Diego. Do you want to come and share? Uh, I have so much to say, but I didn't know what to focus on, so I thought I would just tell you all my favorite things about you. Oh, boy. Uh, Mark, you have been a dear friend to me and my kids. One of my favorite memories of you and Chris Q playing in the park and buying Becca a bicycle for her seventh birthday. You guys were her friends. Um, you were her friends for the first four months. They were hanging off your biceps while you guys walked around the park. I love that about you, but I also love how your heart works. You are such a connector. You love people. You love people, but then you always bring them to Jesus. You always bring them to a family, and I love that about you. Um, Colette, you don't say a lot but you show love with your actions. You are just the most amazing woman. When you talk to someone, you give them your full attention. You host with such excellence, and you've displayed so much love for this family. You came into a family that was already established with um, these guys, and you gave, sorry, you gave your all, and you've welcomed us into your heart. And we have grown to love you as much as we love. Mike, we've grown to love your kids. And so thank you for, for being so available to love us and to love others. Cameron, you are full of mischief, and I love that. <laughs> My favorite thing about you, Cameron, is your laugh. We were at Groundbreakers, and he cracked a joke. But he cracked a joke like this. <laughs> So it is just awesome. I love your laugh, Cam. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss your mischievous smile. But I know that there's so many adventures out there for you. And Ava, I love you, that you are such a princess and you just display such grace. Wherever she is, she just runs like a little princess. And her hair is flowing behind her and she just has got so much grace and affection for her friends and her family. And Brayden, we don't know you too well, but it just carries such a joy for his family and his friends. <laughs> um, Mark and Courts, you guys have also, same thing, just been incredible friends to us. And um, I know there's been so many moments that if we have not seen of you crying out for this church and us as a family for having our kids when they were little, for walking um, like a machine to school and back, having them trail behind you, for loving them like you love your own. Mark, one of the things about you is just your incredible vision for the kingdom, your faith. Um, you bring faith. When you walk into a room, you bring faith. You bring generosity. You bring love. And you're such a witness to the way I believe God wants to build in business and in church. You've been such an example, and you've been a dear friend. And Courtney, I've left our friendship. I've left our partnership. I've loved our moments when we've cried and we've laughed together. And just your incredible heart for the lost. You... Your heart beats like you challenge me when you talk about people who don't know Jesus. It challenges me to my core, and I'm just trusting that that is going to be something that God just breathes life over wherever you are. You can't help but catch something of your love for him when you're with you, and it challenges me, and I love that about you, and I love your crazy sense of humor, and I love the way God speaks to you, and how when you get fired up on something, you just... It just oozes out of you, and everyone gets fired up with you. I'm going to miss that. You. <laughs> Olivia gave me a huge fright about three months ago. She hid, and she scared the living daylights out of me. And I have, I have not had a moment to repay you, but I am always watching you, Olivia. 
And she keeps me in line. Let me tell you, she is so responsible and she is so full of integrity that when I do naughty things out there that nobody sees, Olivia tells Steve all about them. (laughs) Olivia, you have got so much waiting for you. So many good friends and you bring such a groundedness. Do you know what that means? You just, you know who you are. You know that you belong. You know that Jesus loves you. And when you walk into a room, people are attracted to that because of that quality about you. And so I'm excited when I visit to meet all your new friends. They're going to be awesome. But just remember, I'm watching you. (laughs) Ryan. (laughs) Handsome little chap. He's also full of mischief. Ryan, I love your adventure, buddy. You and your cousin, man, oh man, you are a handful. (laughs) I love that you want to tackle the world, Ryan. You want to just grab it with both hands, and you want to make the most of it, and you want to do everything that life has for you, and I love that about you. I love that you love your family, that you're a good friend, and I I love your energy and your craziness. I love your craziness. I know. I was about to transition. That was my segue into Brooke. Brooke, can you do a funny face for us? No. Brooke is the quirkiest, quirkiest of all Nelsons. She doesn't show you, but she pulls the craziest faces. And I love that. I love that she doesn't take herself too seriously. She doesn't take life too seriously. And I know she's brought such joy to this family. So I'm going to miss that about you, Brooke. Guys, we love you. There's so much that I could say, but I know this is just bye for now, and I delight in watching. I know God is going to do incredible things, and it is just for us to stand and watch what he does. Honestly, it's exhilarating. I feel like we're on the roller coaster with you. Our arms are in the air. We're going with you. And just excited for all that God has for you. So thank you for giving your whole hearts, for giving us the privilege of being with you in your journey here, getting to know your children with each one that's been born. Our lives have been made richer, and we are privileged. We're privileged to know you, privileged to call you friends, and privileged to watch what God does. Thank you, Suddies. I just want to honor my mom and dad uh, who are here this morning. Really special to have you here. And my dad, on Father's Day, I just want to say you're still my hero and the most generous man that I know. And I just want to thank you, church. We would not be walking into this faith adventure without this spirit-filled family of faith. Uh, Mike and I, arrived in Chicago 17 years ago, and we knew it was a God thing because we had no intention of coming to the city. We moved from our hometown in South Africa, and uh, we, we moved to San Diego, but before long, we, found, we, we realized we were broke. How many, how many of you know God is not broke? So we started to pray, and we started to see miracles, and we found ourselves selling furniture on the side of the road in Austin, Texas, And I'll never forget a hot Texan Sunday. We had a truckload of furniture that we set up, and Mike and I stood together and we prayed, Lord, help us sell all of this furniture today and lead us to the place where you want us to go. And we ended up selling everything that was on the lot, but the last sale of the day was a a teak table and six chairs, and a medical doctor from Chicago pulled up. His name was Dr. Ramon Villanueva, Ramon's name is actually on the back of the board as you walk outside the auditorium. Uh, he, he was one of the highest donors to Holy Trinity High School. Some people say that the devil's in the details, but I say that God is in the specific details of our lives. And so we came to Chicago, and I would say the greatest blessing of being in this city was when this church came with Stephen Debs and their two young daughters And my life changed. I planted myself in this church. And shortly after that, I met my beautiful wife, Courtney. First came love, then came marriage. 
and before we knew it, we had three chickadees. <laughs> but Steve and Debs were with us and for us through it all, through the, the good times and the challenges. And I'll never forget in 2010, feeling stirred to, to start a business in the city. And it was during the greatest real estate recession in the history of our nation, and it was a real estate business. And Steve released me from eldership. And I remember one Wednesday night prayer meeting, the whole prayer meeting was dedicated to this church being, uh, this business being started, church business. And a bunch of you got around us, and I remember getting six or seven prophecies around our business, which is almost 10 years old now. And most of those prophecies have been fulfilled. So just know the benefit of standing and walking with and being planted in a local church of faith. It's just incredible. And Stephen Debs, I just want to honor you, you guys. I, I really believe that they were handpicked to plant and lead this church. And what a blessing they've been to us personally and to the city. And I saw them uh, as riverbanks. And typically you would see riverbanks get eroded and they retract over time and they shrink back. But I saw them as riverbanks that were granite. They were rock hard, and they set up the presence of God so well. They create a space for the river of God to flow, for His presence, for His love, for His joy and peace to come. And we are the beneficiaries of that. We get to come into this house and walk deep into the river of God that they have set up as a foundation uh, by their lives, by their faithfulness, by their perseverance, by their, pa their patience and the things of God. So we just love you guys. We honor you. We thank you for all that you've given, setting us up for success as we go. Um, we love you. Thanks so much. Thank you, church. Is that a jacaranda tree? Yeah, just thank you, Anthem Church. Just so many memories, so many friends. Um, I think the, the jacaranda tree that we, that we leave with is so symbolic and so prophetic. Um, one of the words that I got given uh, in leaving is we'll be going to the West Coast with good seed. And I think we've got fistfuls of really good Midwest seed that you guys have sown into us over the years. And we are super excited to scatter uh, in, that, in that state. Oh, sorry. So thank you so much, guys. We love you. <laughs> Just thank you guys so much, honestly, for loving us and our imperfections, for showing us what community and family actually looks like. Um, just thank you. I don't even have words to express. Our, my kids have benefited. We've benefited. There's just, we are so filled with blessings that you guys have given us. And uh, I'm excited for what we all get to walk into next. Thank you guys. And thank you, Stephen Debs. <laughs> So true to what Deb said, I wouldn't normally have said something. But in honesty, there is something that I feel like God has laid on my heart for the past, I don't know, six to eight weeks maybe. Um, at one of the before church prayer times, somebody was talking about Isaiah and just the call of God where he's saying, who should I send? And Isaiah, you know, I guess the impression I have is like him jumping up and down and saying, Lord, here am I, send me. And it's funny because the truth is most of us don't face situations like that in life where there is some clear call, some clear opportunity, a, a situation where we can have a major sacrifice where we lay something down for the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean his call on our life is any less. And just when those words were spoken and just that it's like almost seeing it in writing, the here am I send me, the thing that I felt most on my heart was three words that technically could be one sentence, but the way that I saw them written was almost as though each one was its own sentence with a significance and a weight to it. And that was, Lord, send me. And as I've thought about it over the last couple of weeks, just seeing the vision, and I think I'm more so wanting to share it as, like, I guess, an encouragement to you guys. Um, we all face different opportunities in different situations. You know, you apply to colleges and you have a few to choose from. And the truth is there isn't a wrong one. Sometimes we do feel that calling um, of God, you know, directing us in one specific path. But more often than not, life is a series of millions of choices, frankly. Whether we turned left or right, whether we chose this job or that job, whether we accepted a job transfer, whether we took a promotion or moved offices or something like that. There's so many things. And it 
continues, you know, as you have kids and they grow up, you're going to choose where you live compared to where they live and all the different kinds of choices that we make. And just seeing that and thinking about that in our life, for, for us in our specific situation of moving to San Diego, it was more of a calling for Mark and Courtney, if I'm honest, um, initially. And for Mike and I, we had to more so think through our choices and pray through what does God want us to do. But at the end of the day, like I just said, I really do believe there's a time where we make choices. And it isn't a matter of one choice will result in God's blessing and in God being in the situation and the other choice won't. We're outside of it. And so as I just kept thinking of like the Lord send me and my prayer for me, what I hope you guys pray for you is that more than anything, number one, God will be the center of what we're doing, of what we're striving for, that he will be a part of the choices that we make, whether it's college A, B, or C, job offer, one, two, or three. Um, and the idea of sending, just the amount of purpose that there is in that, that it's something intentional, that we set out with a goal in mind, that there's a sense of accomplishment that comes with it. We can determine whether, like, when we've come, when we've gone, when we've arrived, when we've left, we see the start and the finish to the whole process. That for us in our situation, that it really will be something very specific about God's call on us in San Diego. And then also the me, you know. My prayer for myself is more than anything that I can find my own place in a whole new city, in a whole new situation, where, if I'm honest, I'm not the most adaptable. <laughs> change is not my choice in general. If I can choose to stay where I am or change, I would much prefer to stay where I am. Um, so that it also becomes something where it's not just the Nelsons are going, but that, it's, that God has a calling for Courtney specifically, for Olivia specifically, that for each one of our kids, for Ryan and Brooke and Cam and Ava and Braden, that, that there is something bigger and more and specific that he has on their life and for each one of us that he's going to do in us and through us and accomplish because of where we are that he wouldn't otherwise have accomplished. And that we make ourselves also just amenable to that, that our hands are open, that we're on our knees, that we're praying through all the different choices that we make. And my hope and prayer is that for you guys, it feels the same way, that as you have different situations come up in life, that you really do feel his guidance and see your role in the opportunities that he's giving you. If it is as extreme as coming to San Diego, let us know. We can help you settle. <laughs> for Steve and Deb's sake, God's probably not calling you there. <laughs> so on that note. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone. <laughs>